Hello, everybody. We are here back with the podcast uh, where we took a little bit of a break during race time. Things were kind of crazy. So we're back starting up again. And today we have uh, Larry Doherty with us, veteran musher. Um, this was his fifth time racing the Iditarod with us. Uh, thanks for being on the show, Larry. You bet, Kristen. Good to be here. Thanks for the invite. Yeah. So we have a lot of to talk about there's a few things we want to go over i want to get your take on how the trail was this year being your fifth time you you kind of um you know what to expect but this year was a little bit different of course um we had you had some signs on your sled and i i think you might do this every year maybe the hope for alaska program so we'll hear a little bit about that and um you had a uh, you took a COVID vaccine and, and did something with that too. So um, woo, we got a lot of things to cover, but we'll start with how you find time to mush and, and train and you're, you're, you work in, in oncology. So you've got a pretty busy schedule as it is. Yeah, I sure do. Um, I'm fortunate to have an understanding uh, family and, and a practice that, um, is very supportive of, of my mushing pursuits as well. Um, you know, it would be a dream of mine to have my own sled dogs and, and to, to live a true mushing lifestyle. Um, that's not really compatible with, um, with, uh, with the other aspects of my life right now. I've got five kids at home and, and uh, my, my wife isn't nearly as into mushing as I am. <laughs> she, she tolerates it and she's come to enjoy aspects of it. But you have to have full family buy-in to, to have your own team. So um, uh, the answer is I just have to have some compromises in my life. Instead of running my own dogs, um, I partner with, with other mushers who have large enough kennels uh, that they can uh, lease, out, lease out dog teams to me. So I've, I've partnered with Mitch Seavey uh, for three of my Iditarods, including this year. Um, and uh, two of my Iditarods with Jason Campo. Yeah, I was looking at some of your video, and um, it seems like from the insider, it seems like you have you run some you know young dogs sometimes for people for from other kennels and um, you just B teams or dogs that you're you're trying to get ready for for other mushers to be um, competitive, that sort of thing. Yeah, you know, my, my first Iditarod, uh, some of the dogs that were on my team uh, ended up being on Mitch Seavey's, uh championship team the next year. So that, that's kind of fun. Um, uh, but yeah, usually I'm either running a B team or a, or a, a less experienced team. Uh, this year I was running um, Mitch's tour dogs. Um, his, uh, his puppy team was being run by Hal Hansen. Um, and most of his 18 uh, studs uh, he had bequeathed uh, to Dallas. Um, and so he pieced together uh, tour dogs uh, that uh, most, most of whom had not, uh, had not done competitive racing until this year. Um, Gerhardt T-Art uh, has been training those dogs all year and, and been qualifying for the Iditarod uh, with that group of dogs. Um, but uh, I took them on their first long distance uh, sledding adventure, uh, if you will. And um, the fact that you can piece together tour dogs for an Iditarod team, I think really speaks to the quality of Mitch's overall program, uh, his genetics and training and, um, and the whole deal. So, but yeah, I required a lot of help uh, to get to the starting line. Um, from Mitch and from Gerhardt. Very, very grateful to all those guys. 
and you finished and you did well and it uh, seemed like Hal also did well. He finished. So pretty good um, dogs and good setup for you. And uh, that's really neat that, you know, you can work with, you know, other kennels and get, you know, just work the dogs. They're just having fun. Yeah. You know, I, I, I often say that Joe Reddington, um, you know, I, I think he, he had the, the dream and the vision that the Iditarod would speak to a wide variety of people. I, I've heard that he would loan dogs out and encourage um, those who otherwise, you know, didn't live a, a, a luffing, uh, I'm sorry, a mushing and a, and a kennel lifestyle uh, to, to somehow find their way to the starting line. And, and um, so I think, uh, you know, my experience kind of harkens back to that. Um, and I'm, I'm appreciative that there's an avenue for a guy like me uh, that doesn't mush full time uh, that I can still be a participant in the Iditarod. Yes. And also um, bringing some attention to your cause, uh, Hope for Alaska. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? I saw you had some signage or your family and had some signs out at the finish line. Um, so yeah, talk about that. Yeah, you bet. So I, um, I, I always mush with, with prayer flags on the side of my, um, on the side of my sled on behalf of a nonprofit called radiating hope, um, that, uh, that I helped start about 11 years ago and, and the prayer flags, are uh, I carry those in honor of, of my cancer patients. So uh, each of those flags uh, has a name written on it of, of somebody that I have treated uh, right here in Alaska. Um, but the Hope for Alaska project, there's, there's a lot of hope in there. Uh, the Hope for Alaska project is actually something separate. And um, I, I wasn't planning on, on doing the Iditarod this year. I was approached uh, in November um, by um, some excited folks uh, who um, were excited to, to increase awareness and advocacy around the COVID-19 vaccine, which hadn't come out yet, but back then was on the cusp of coming out. The uh, race, you know, typically finishes in Nome. And at that, that point in time, that's what that we were all planning on. And the idea was that, boy, wouldn't it be really cool if... Uh, if I could carry the vaccine all the way to Nome uh, as kind of a throwback to the 1925 serum run. Uh, so I signed up for the race with, with that in mind. Um, and as we have all come accustomed to this last year, everything started to change <laughs> quickly. And, um, but I, I think in good ways, uh, you know, first of all, the, uh, the vaccine availability um, it really be, became available pretty quickly in Alaska and um, the Indian health service, was very efficient uh, at getting the vaccine out to the villages. So by the time I, I got to the starting line, um, there really was no no need uh, to distribute actual vaccine uh, to native villages. But of course, the other big change was the race not finishing in Nome. Uh, so we had envisioned actually doing a relay of the vaccine to um, to the mayor of Shagaluk. Um, uh, th that didn't end up happening either for another number of reasons, but, um, what all, what, what this ultimately, uh, became is a symbolic carry of, of the COVID-19 vaccine on the trail. Um, and it was, it was something really cool to be a part of. And, and hopefully, uh, we were able to get some of the message out there, um, around COVID-19 vaccination. Yeah, we're doing pretty good. I hear with vaccinations in Alaska, um, it's been, um, very helpful through the Alaska Native Medical System 
you know, that they're distributing and getting, you know, the word out. So, yeah, even though it was symbol- more symbolic for you to to do that vaccine carry, we, we actually got a lot of phone calls and messages saying, oh, we should, you know, bring vaccines and, um, you know, whether it's symbolic or for real. <laughs> uh, logistically, it's it it's kind of like, well, um, the vaccines, they some of them need refrigeration and all these. But then, as you like you said, all the villages ended up having pretty good distribution anyways. So. Right. Right. Yeah. One of, one of the uh, sponsors of hope for Alaska was Peter Pan seafoods. Um, and what we had talked about early on, um, they, they have a technology where when you buy seafood and you ship it to somebody else, you can actually monitor the temperature of that uh, seafood from point A to point B to the destination. And so um, we had talked about using that technology to show that we could carry the, the vaccine with the right temperature along the trail. And we had a whole elaborate plan um, all, all lined out, but uh, things kind of changed along the way and we, we adapted to the change. And uh, I think it's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. I, we didn't have to worry about, um, you know, those locations needing vaccines or, or being behind in vaccinations as you know, the team's gone th- went through. And so, yeah, thankfully that, that went through pretty quickly uh, for vaccine distrib- distribution. So, so do you, you're, you did carry a vaccine or was it more just symbolic? Yeah. So I carried, um, I carried empty vials of vaccine is what we ended up doing at the end. Um, so I have a box of, of those vials that, that I carried with me round trip on the trail. Gotcha. Well, that's um, still nice to, you know, get that awareness out and, and show the connection between um, this, the 1925 serum run and, and today's or this race this year had many parallels in that sense. Um, but you, you got through the race and you had a few, um, a few issues, broken sled, and you you had a little bit of a accident and got a little bit injured. How's your wrist? I I saw that you had a little bit of an injury there. Yeah, you know, I I um, crashed on the uh, on the river just outside of Rhone, um, which is an area that you know anybody that's done the Iditarod knows that you you expect some glare ice in that section and. Um, and so I was prepared for it, um, and, you know, reduced my speed as much as I could coming onto that ice. Um, but there was a, there was a log that was just off to the side of the trail, uh, that ended up hitting and, and, uh, my, my sled toppled over my wrist kind of got caught between the log and the sled. Um, and I simultaneously sprained my wrist and, and busted up my sled. Ow. Um, so why don't you tell people kind of what happens if you're, you're a musher and then you get injured? Is there, um, like paramedics? Is there any kind of human medical assistance? There's a lot of dog medical assistance, a lot of vets, but what about for humans when you're in that situation? Yeah, you bet. So I, first of all, I would say that I think, uh, one of the questions that mushers are, 
asking themselves not infrequently on the trail is, um, am I hurt or am I injured? <laughs> and cause everybody's hurting out there uh, in the Iditarod, um, whether it's, it's from sleep deprivation or whether it's from, uh, a crash or, or any, any, any of the other stuff that the Iditarod can throw at you. Uh, most mushers are, are hurting a little bit. Um, but if you get to the point where you're truly injured, um, and, and unfortunately we saw that this year with, with Ali Zirkle, you know, she just really had no, no choice, but to, to, to pull out of the race and seek medical attention. Um, if you, if you get to the point that you're, that you're injured and you need, you need help, um, that's considered outside assistance. So, um, uh, so you, you would have to withdraw from the race, but there, there, there are at some of the larger checkpoints, um, sometimes some, uh, some medical personnel. Uh, so when I got to McGrath, um, which was a couple of days after my wrist injury, um, one of the volunteers at McGrath happened to be an EMT, uh, and she had an ACE bandage, um, that she gave me. So I was able to support my wrist a little bit. And, and, uh, so yeah, there, there are some, some options available on the trail, but you're pretty much self-sufficient. I mean, anything, anything real goes wrong. Um, you know, you're, you're best to pull out of the race if you, if you're to the point that you can't, can't adequately care for your dog team. And luckily I, I wasn't there yet. Yeah. And, um, can you like take a Tylenol or is, is that even an option? As far as like, oh, maybe you got a you know a small minor sprain wrist, or maybe a pull muscle or something for for the mushers themselves. Is that an option, or is that going to be considered um, not in the rules, and you have to then scratch or or end your race? Yeah, no, I mean um, you can't take like controlled substances out there like you know pain medicine or something like that but no if you're if you're giving yourself basic first aid with with tylenol or kind of over-the-counter type stuff that's that's all allowed okay so there's some options it's um funny the i know we, we mentioned this all the time the dogs are so well taken care of almost more than the mushers are you're kind of you really are on your own but you know, the dogs are are getting checked every time and you know getting massages and <laughs> and all kinds of things but um you, your mushers are you got to be pretty tough then well i think that's appropriate too because the dogs are doing they're doing mm-hmm. all the work really, you know yep. <laughs> so it's, it's yep. a dog race then you got to got to take care of the engine Yep. Yep. For sure. Um, with your sled, uh, you had a little bit of a break on your sled, um, and you, you ended up having to switch sleds out or making a little bit of repair on the trail. Yeah. So, um, I actually didn't, didn't notice that my stanchion, uh, was broken. Um, one of the, uh, one of the, the volunteers at, at the Rome checkpoint did. Um, and, uh, I was fortunate that, Bruce Lee, um, happened to be at Roan, uh, I think waiting for his, his next flight to, to another checkpoint. He's part of the insider crew, um, and, uh, very, um, experienced musher, but also has, uh, some experience in, in, uh, a lot of experience with sleds. And so, um, I mean, I would have fashioned a repair. I had a, a sled repair kit and I probably would have, you know, splinted it with some, some supplies that I had, but I, I left Roan with a much more elegant repair <laughs> and then I would have fashioned with Bruce's help. I've seen some uh, pretty um, 
good repair, uh, MacGyvering from from other mushers as well. Uh, just just this season, so you guys kind of have to get a little creative. But you have a repair kit. Most most mushers is this um, just kind of basic basic thing, just in case, or um, how extensive do, do those little repair kits get? Yeah, I think that there's kind of standard items that every musher carries. So like a popular thing is hose clamps, uh, which is just something that allows you to, you know, uh, make a rigid splint if you have a piece of the sled that breaks. Um, you want to carry some some paracord. Um, so there, there's kind of some standard things that would be helpful, tape and glue. and um, But then there's there's things for your sled. So my, my sled, I was... Uh, uh, driving a prairie built sled and and Mitch had put together a collection of of bolts and screws and tools that um uh, that would you know fit for that specific sled and did you switch you switched out you brought a, an extra one this this year um so uh Mitch actually sent one sled to McGrath with the idea that if either Dallas or Hal or myself, uh, if any of us needed that sled, uh, it would be available to us. So um, I was the one that needed it. So swapped it out there. Oh, gotcha. So a lot, a lot of really planning ahead and uh, in case this happens and you have this available. So I'm sure that's um, pretty common with all the other mushers, but that's a, it's a lot of a planning with the three of you. You're kind of, mushing as far as, you know, two from, from Mitch's, uh, kennel. Do you end up planning like in the beginning together or, um, like what if situations or. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, Hal and I had, had several meetings with Mitch where, uh, we, we ended up, we were on the same schedule, the same plan, uh, for the race. And, um, so we had several planning sessions where, or we would game plan and, and talk through, uh, you know, what, what the trail was likely to look like, what sort of challenges we might face out there, um, planning the, the drop bag supplies, um, and, you know, all of the, all of the caveats that you need in place. So, yeah. And, um, I hear you, you lost some items along the trail as well, but they, we're all found, I think. <laughs> I was a disaster <laughs> in summer this year that way. I don't know what was wrong with me, but um, when I was leaving Roan, um, you know, I had this kind of tricky parking spot. Uh, all the parking spots at Roan are tricky, but I was kind of sandwiched between these trees. Um, and I was kind of just focused on how I, how I was going to, going to get the team out of there. And I required, you know, help to kind of weave my dogs uh, who were all still pretty fresh and excited at that point um weave them out onto the main trail without crashing into any of these trees and so i was i was more preoccupied about that but i had also um i I don't usually take my my parka um inside i just leave it on my sled or in my sled um but i had i had fallen through um an ice bridge in the gorge. And so was drying out my park and my bibs. Anyway, bottom line is I, <laughs> I ended up leaving Roan, um, without my parka and my bibs. So I had to turn around and come back and get my park and my bibs. And, uh, later on in the, in the race, I somehow dropped my phone. Um, and I, I didn't, I didn't catch that until a checkpoint or two later because I wasn't using my phone much but it, it got run over by about every musher out there another musher ended up finding it but it wasn't um it was actually Hal that found it 
uh, wasn't, wasn't functional. So yeah, I lost some stuff this year. For that phone, are you going to keep their phone and mount it on the wall? Maybe <laughs> casualty of 2021. I did a rod. Maybe have. I don't, know. I don't know if I'll do anything <laughs> sentimental with it or not, but I do still have it. <laughs> well, I'm glad you found your, your missing items. I feel like maybe there's, is there a lost and found when on the trail and musher just kind of go by and pick stuff up as they find, find things. And just kind of drop things off at checkpoints on a, with my, are you missing anything sign? On it or? Yeah, uh, that, that does happen actually pretty frequently where um, you'll see something in the middle of the trail, you know, it belongs to another musher and you'll, you'll pick it up. Um, <laughs> at uh, Don's cabin this year, um, I was just gearing up to leave Don's cabin and uh lev came up to me and asked if i'd seen his cooker um long story short uh, another musher had thought that somebody had left their cooker behind it was lev's who was going the opposite direction and they 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 was like oh let me let me take this cooker down to the checkpoint of iditarod um so everybody's looking out uh for for each other out there and nobody nobody wants anybody to lose anything for sure um so you had um quite a crowd at the finish line, your family and friends, I imagine had come down to, to greet you as you, you cross the finish line. Yeah. You know, it was a, that was cool uh, that we got to finish, you know, in the Anchorage area for the first time. Um, and uh, my mom came up, uh, which was last minute uh, flew, flew up from South Carolina. We actually didn't know um, before the race, if, if, anybody was going to be allowed at the finish line. Uh, but I'd kind of heard through the grapevine that, uh, that people were showing up at the finish line. And, and, uh, I was surprised, uh, to see, uh, to see so many friends and, and supporters come out. That was, that was really cool. Yeah. Towards the end there, we were, uh, allowing, you know, the friends and family of mushers, you know, to come, come and see. So you had a, a really nice welcome home from your family. And, um, I ended up being actually being there for your return. So I have some, um, nice pictures of your group. So I'll have to get those to you. <laughs> I'm still sorting through. I haven't seen any of those. That'd be cool to see. Yeah, um, it's been still pretty crazy. We're we're getting to finishing up the awards. I know a lot of people are waiting for the the rest of the specialty awards to be announced, and um, of course we have the four wheeler drawing for all the finishers. So that's going to be happening as well. Um, if you haven't seen, we've announced that that show we're going to do an award show, and it'll be on uh, the eighth. So that's next week. Yep, we're we're still finishing up this year's race. We have um, one little bit, and that's that award show next week. So we are we're closing things out. Um, looking back at the the trail this year, what do you think? You, um, I, I can't remember if it was you or not, but some I'm not sure said it might have been you that maybe it'd be kind of fun to do. Uh, this trail one year, the regular trail another another year yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, to some extent out there, we were we were all rookies this year because um, 
probably not very many of us, in, if any, had had done the trail or any section of that trail in reverse. Um, so you could kind of imagine if you'd been out on the trail a time or two, what it was going to be like. Um, but I think most of the expectations that I had were um, in terms of sections that I that I had worried about or given any kind of stress uh, to. Um, I, I was totally wrong. I mean, I, I had uh, feared going back to the gorge somewhat because I I saw it towards the back of the pack on the way out and it had really deteriorated and I mentioned falling through an ice bridge. And um, so I, um, I wasn't looking forward to going back to the gorge or back up the steps, which were totally trenched out, you know, when I went down them, but my goodness, the trail crew uh, just did a phenomenal job and it was, it was just not even recognizable. I mean, the steps in particular, um, nice ramps uh, that they, they had somehow, um, you know, refurbished <laughs> that, that entire section and it just really looked amazing. And then the, the other area that I think a lot of mushers had some anxiety about was, uh, what many people call the shoot, which is, um, as you're, as you're leaving, uh, well, as you, as you come off the, um, the happy river, um, there's typically a, a pretty steep ramp, uh, there, that, you know, coming back the other direction, uh, would have been pretty hair raising. Um, and it, it seemed like they had completely rerouted that whole section. I mean, there was a very wide trail that was much more gradual and, and I mean, it was like a great big wide highway. So I just can't speak highly enough of the, um, of the trail crew this year and all the effort that they went to, to make a, make a safe, uh, trail. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun, uh, to, to go the other direction. And I do think it would be cool, uh, to, to see the, the race maybe start in Nome someday and finish in Anchorage. I thought that was, it, it was a lot of fun finishing the race in Anchorage. And this year, um, all the finishing mushers received a different, um, belt buckle for, for this year. Um, the 20, because the trail was, was so d- different. I, talked a little bit to Aaron about that and we're going to have Aaron on the podcast talking about the new belt buckle as well so you have that then to commemorate uh this very different year on the I did rod trail yeah it, it was totally unexpected um there hadn't been any mention of that that I was aware of before the race um and my gosh what a what a cool memento to have I mean there's there's not many possessions that I that I value more uh, than my Iditarod belt buckle. I, you fight so hard to get one, and and uh, dream so long about you know doing the Iditarod if it's a goal of yours. And so to now have this uh, this special one uh, that that was custom for this year, uh, super super cool. I was uh, grateful to get that. You know, I I heard a lot of social media chatter or whatnot as, asking or just kind of commenting well, is this year's race going to be easier because it's shorter and um, you're just going back through? But from a lot of uh, mushers, mushers comments, it was like they worked the hardest. They've, they've worked, it seems, almost from any other race. So um, I don't know what what's true. I don't think any I did a lot is would be easy, but um, it yeah. definitely came with its own challenges this year. You know, it it should have been the easiest I did a ride because it was significantly shorter, uh, at, at least close to 200 miles, I think shorter than the actual, than the, than the normal race. Um, the trail was in phenomenal shape. I mean, for the most part, we had 
hard and fast trail the entire time. Um, with the exception, ironically, of the burn, uh, that was the, that was the slowest section of trail for me. I mean, usually, uh, you know, you expect that to be a, a fast white knuckled ride without a lot of snow. And, uh, but on the way back, we actually had, um, you know, fresh snow that was, that, that was really slow. So that was kind of a, an irony, but, uh, so yeah, we had, we had, we had a hard and fast trail. It was a shorter trail. Um, we really didn't have any significant weather to contend with. I mean, we did have a couple of really cold nights. There was, um, you know, when I was leaving Ofer, it was, uh, minus 40. And I, I was told it got as cold as minus 50 that night. I don't know if that's true, but it sure felt like, <laughs> um, and we had another night that was, you know, minus 30 or so. So there were some challenges, but, but you didn't have the coast weather. Um, you didn't have, you know, deep snow on the Yukon, like I in, encountered last year. Um, uh, but I will say that, uh, if you were a rookie this year, um, don't, don't feel like you were in any way shortchanged that for, for me, this was my hardest Iditarod. Um, and, um, I, I, you know, my injury clearly played a role to that. It was a, it was a daily struggle for me, um, because of that. But, um, there was a lot of dog illness on the trail this year as well. Um, I, I think most mushers experienced that, um, just the dog teams, uh, had had some pretty wicked diarrhea out there, um, which thankfully by the end of the race um, we were getting better control of. But there were there were definitely new challenges um, presented by going the other direction and and um, and you know just new things thrown at us. So uh, yeah, it was it was a tough trail for me this year. Well, Larry, um, I'd like to thank you again for coming on the podcast. Is there anything else you'd like to mention or shout, do a shout out or anything? Yeah. I just want to thank all the sponsors uh, of hope for Alaska for putting my race together this year and having the confidence in me to represent uh, their organizations. Well, Um, thankful for my family and my, and my medical practice, um, all my coworkers for, you know, being at the finish line and, and for supporting, uh, yet another Iditarod. So, and, and thank you to the Iditarod for, for putting on a race this year. I, I know that that decision probably didn't come lightly and it came with new challenges for the race as well, but uh, my hats off to all the organizers, all the volunteers and uh, just grateful to have been a part of it. Well, thank you, Larry. Um, we'll go ahead and let you go back to work, your regular day job, but you're, you're nonstop busy <laughs> on and off the trail. So uh, thanks again. Thank you.